You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1072 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And today's podcast is brought to you by the folks at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Today's podcast with myself and Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops talking about both Kevin Herter and DeLon Wright to kick off a new week in Hawksland, we are counting down the days, three weeks now, as you're listening to this, until the Hawks uh, convene her media day. So we're getting closer. Last week on the podcast, I had Zach on to talk about Clint Capella and Onyeka Kongwu. And uh, famously, that podcast uh, about you know about a day later was not out of date, but it had to be updated because uh, Clint Capella signed a two-year extension with the Hawks, which I talked about in emergency fashion at the end of last week. Um, that's some background for this podcast because Zach and I actually recorded the one you're about to hear on Kevin Herter and DeLon Wright at the same time as that original Capella and the Kongo podcast. Now, nothing has made this up out of date at this point in time. There is a little bit of joking at the end of the podcast about how there wasn't a lot of news to discuss, which was immediately irrelevant from last time. But all the content on Herter and Wright is still up to date. And uh, as, as I'm recording this podcast Sunday night, there's been no movements on the Herter extension front. So keep an eye on that. Perhaps I will will that into existence as I did with Capella <laughs> at the end of last week. But uh, please forgive the audio quality as well. I'm on the road. I recorded this last week for that reason. I'll be back in Atlanta midweek, next, uh, I guess this week, as you're, as you're listening to this now. But uh, be uh, be patient with that. My apologies. Hopefully it's all uh, hearable. And I did record with Zach in my normal studio, so that should, be, that should be not be a huge problem. So thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, everybody, before we get to Zach, though, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Sweatblock. There are a few things in life that just are not any fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. It's not fun for anyone to sweat through their shirt for no reason. I'm sure we've all dealt with this at some point in time, and while there are definitely bigger problems in the world, it can certainly feel like a big deal when it happens in the moment. And that's why you should check out Sweatblock and Iperspirant Wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You can simply apply it at night before you go to bed, and then after you go to bed, the next morning you can wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying at all about sweat. Guaranteed. Sweatblock is doctor-created and doctor-recommended, and it works for up to seven days per use. There is also, by the way, a dry shirt guarantee, and if Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's manufactured in the USA. Sweatblock has a bestseller on Amazon and other places for the past decade. I know it might sound too good to be true, but it absolutely works. You can wear what you want to wear with confidence, and it really is an absolute must-have. If you or someone you know and love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock right now. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or check it out at a CVS near you right now. One more time, that is promo code locked on at sweatblock.com for 20% off. Promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Stat Hero. Did you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is that really surprising? The game is really rigged against you, and you're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention some absolute experts who have more tools and more time than you do. You simply don't stand a chance in the long term. But introducing Stat Hero, it's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows the lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you against the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name the stakes, winner take all, you have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing their lineups ahead of time, and no one else does that. 
DFS can be overwhelming, even for the quote-unquote experts, like someone like myself, I suppose. And Stat Hero just unlocks so many other things that make it a lot more fair to the player. You were in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. -on -one, and you can play Stat Hero now and change the odds. If you go to stathero.com slash locked on, you can sign up for free. And right now, you can get three times back on your first play with Stat Hero. They're giving you a 300% match. That's basically unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. One more time, that is stathero.com slash locked on. I am joined again by good friend of the podcast, the editor-in-chief over at Peachtree Hoops. Zach Good is here. Hello, sir. How are you doing? I appreciate you having me on again. My pleasure, as always. And uh, we talked earlier about Click Capella and Yaka Kongwu, and we'll do another player capsule today as we are talking. It's going to be uh, DeLon Wright, the newly minted backup point guard for the Hawks, and then Kevin Herter, later on in the podcast. Wright is obviously someone the Hawks fans have seen less, unless they are diehard NBA people. But he's been around for a long time, and I've talked about him a little bit since they signed him, and you know he was in Toronto, he was in Memphis, he was in Dallas, and then Detroit and Sacramento. So he sort of bounced around a little bit. But a guy who I think that I've heard nothing but positive stuff about in terms of off the court, um, also just you know being covered, and also I've always liked him as a player. Um not a star by any means, but a solid supporting piece. And I think he might have had the best year of his career last year at the age of 28, basically. Uh, he averaged 10 points and four assists and four rebounds per game, almost two steals per game with the Pistons and Kings. Was efficient, um, a good defender. You know, he's 6'5 or so, playing both guard spots. So not probably a long-term guy, but at 29, a great stopgap. And they give it very little to get him. So... Uh, I wonder what you kind of thought about that investment. You know, that's this is pre-Lou Williams being back as well, so now they have Lou too, and we'll have a separate podcast about Lou. But um, I wonder how you felt about their uh, transaction to get go get DeLon Wright and then I think hopefully plug that hole they've had forever behind Trey Young. Yeah, I don't think they could have done much better as far as turning it turning Dunn and Fernando into DeLon Wright and Jing, essentially. Um, I don't, I don't know how you get more than that back. Um, which obviously Jing wasn't a part of the trade, but just as far as replacing Fernando as a big on the roster. Uh, turning Chris Dunn, who I'm not saying, you know, Chris Dunn is done, but <laughs> he did not work out in Atlanta. He wasn't healthy. So, you know, best of luck to him going forward with Boston. But And then Fernando, obviously his career – and the NBA is, I mean, I would say a little bit up in the air if it doesn't go well in Boston. So turning him into, which is like we already talked about, Jing. Um, but as far as DeLon Wright, I mean, like you said, he's never really made any noise off the court. Uh, it should be a great locker room guy and should be uh, exactly what they're looking for as far as someone who – is good enough defensively and big enough to maybe hang um, at the two with Trey if necessary, which is good because, I mean, anybody that's going to be backing up Trey, it's obviously going to be a little bit better if they're able to play alongside him in a pinch. And then uh, as far as, you know, the defensive end of the floor, he can guard uh, most guards, you know, you would think pretty well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think they could have done much better as far as, turning you know Chris Dunn into DeLon Wright 
Yeah, he's not a huge like risk taker. Like he's a low turnover guy, which is generally good. I know Nate McMillan uh, does not like turnovers, and he'll tell you. Um, and he's kind of even you know poked fun at Trey in the past and stuff about turnovers. He likes to take care of the ball, and uh, for his career, Wright has three times as many assists as turnovers uh, over you know six full seasons. So he's a he's a guy who's definitely a good steward in the backcourt. Uh, a solid shooter, not a great shooter, uh, more of a low volume guy, but. You know, the last two seasons, about 37% from three, that's totally fine. Um, someone has to be guarded out there, good free throw shooter as well. Um, a pretty good rebounder for a guard at 6'5". And then defensively, same sort of thing. Like, he's not as good as Chris Dunn is defensively, but DeLon Wright, I would say, is above average at point guard uh, and probably, you know, average or a little bit, maybe a little bit above that at shooting guard as well. So the flexibility of it really makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and again, last year was probably his best year of his career. Like, I don't know what you can make about it. 28 years old. He was an older rookie, too. You know, he came in the league in the 2015 draft, and he's an older guy for that. He played uh, a long time at Utah. But, um, you know, not a guy who's, like, over the hill. Like, he's six years younger than Lou, for instance. Six or seven years younger than Lou. Like, he's kind of in his, I would say, late prime at this point in time. And he's also very different than Lou just because of the fact that you can kind of play him on and off the ball. He's just bigger and more physical and all of that stuff. So, I mean, I'm looking at like weaknesses for DeLon Wright and I, there aren't many. Um, there also aren't like off the charts strengths either. So it's this like, he's more of that well-rounded player overall. Like he got to the line a lot early in his career. He sort of got into the line a little bit less as some guys do as they sort of mature more often than it goes the other way as uh, guys get more athletic maybe. But I don't know. He's just solid. Like, it's kind of crazy how much I've watched DeLon Wright in the last couple of months and looked at his numbers as well, like trying to get a better feel than even even what I had previously. And it's kind of the same feel that I already had. It's just that he doesn't take a lot off the table. And that's the kind of guy that I think is just kind of overqualified. We were talking about this before we started recording, but uh, the folks at 538 have like a $15 million valuation on uh, on DeLon Wright for this year. That's a little high, I think. But I think it's not crazy that he's like worth his contract. And he's making, you know, $8 plus million this season. And yeah, that's a lot for a guy who's a backup. But it's a one-year deal. He's a vet. And the opportunity cost, like you laid out, was just like kind of nothing. So sign me up. I mean, I love that. Trans- I don't want to overstate it, but I love that transaction. And I love the way that he, I think, fits. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I think even if you knew Lou was coming back, there's no way you you don't make that trade. I mean, you risk, uh, unfortunately to say, you know, you risk Lou deciding to go somewhere else because you traded for DeLon Wright if you have to. And I, it all worked out. But, I mean, they probably didn't know that Lou would come back when they made the deal. And, you know, I, I think they probably had to just do that when it came up. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, People will forget, uh, you know, forget about what they gave up to get him, and uh, that's a good thing for the Hawks because that means you know they didn't give up that much. No, I mean, and it's one year, and it's definitely like a stopgap kind of move. But you know, I will say this: Delon Wright is the best current player that they have had behind Trey Young, maybe in his career. Uh, you could argue that perhaps um, the early Jeremy Lin, uh, as when when Trey was a rookie, might have been similar. I think that right right now is better than Lin was then. And you know, we both love Lou. Uh, I am in the tank for Lou, uh, probably un- unapologetically so. But I think that Delon Wright is better than Lou Williams uh, in 2021. Um, so 
there's a role for Lou if they want to find that. We'll get into him later on in a different podcast. But they're so different that it doesn't really make a big difference to me. Like, you could have both these guys. Lou is an older guy who's probably there as much for locker room stuff as he is for on-the-court stuff, and he's a spark plug. And Wright probably won't win you uh, a half like Lou can with, with, with scoring, but he'll also just not get you beat. And I don't want to overstate it again, but the flexibility there, particularly they, you know, after last year and all the injuries they had, knock on wood, Trey was fairly healthy other than the one ankle thing. Um, but Wright just unlocks a lot of things for you possibility-wise if you get an injury to Trey, if you get an injury to Kevin Herter, you get an injury to Bogdanovich again. Um, he can play the two, like, responsibly and solidly. Like, is he on your um, your two-deep depth chart at shooting guard? No. Like, you, ha- he's not as good as Kevin Herter and Bogdanovich are. But if you need to play him 10 minutes a night next to Trey, you can do that. If you need him to play 25 minutes of point guard because Trey's got the night off, he can do that. So flexibility, and that's kind of the name of the game on this entire roster, quite honestly. Like basically everyone other than like Capella and Okongwu can play multiple spots on this team. So it's pretty he – fit, he fits into that quite well. And I just like DeLon Wright. I mean, I, I'm a sucker for a good quality role player who's a vet, and he's – better than the guys they had in that role. Like last year, those guys were Solomon Hill and Tony Snell and um, Skylar Mays as a rookie and that kind of stuff. Like Wright is a cut above those guys in terms of his current play. Like he's a very solid, maybe even I would say above average backup point guard. And given that your starter is an all-star, that's pretty good. Yeah, he's definitely one of the, one of the better backups in the league. And he's he started in Detroit a lot, right? Yeah, I mean, he he started about, I think, almost, yeah, 31 of 36 games with, with Detroit. He's been a, you know, that was his probably most prominent role, and the Pistons were kind of a mess last year. But, you know, he got that contract and has moved around a little bit. But with the exception of his time in Dallas, which didn't, like, work perfectly, he was still, and that's the thing about DeLon Wright, uh, I can say that it didn't work perfectly, and he was still totally fine there. Like, they probably wanted a little bit more out of him and ended up being Jalen Brunson and all that stuff. But he still played... 73 games for them two years ago and was totally adequate as a backup guard. And, you know, he might play, I don't know, there might be a nice where he doesn't, doesn't play at all. Like, if they want to go to Lou one night and, you know, at the end of the day, the Hawks' best player and centerpiece is Trey Young, who's going to be playing 35 to 39 minutes a game. Like, there isn't that big of a role there, but it's also a critical one. And I think Wright can kind of do the, both of those things. Like, he doesn't have to play a ton, but... He's reliable when you put him out there. He has experience in a bunch of different roles. He can fit with Lou. He can fit everywhere. I mean, I, I'm trying to find one thing that I, I wish he was better. I guess I wish he was a, a little bit a little bit better as a like a standstill shooter type if he's going to play off the ball. But like that's nitpicking. He's not a bad shooter, and he usually will have to like run the offense responsibilities when he's playing. He's not going to play. I don't, I don't think he's going to play a ton with Trey. So I like guys who can play with Trey but it's not like a game breaker. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's really no, like you said, there's no part of his game where, like, he's going to be out of his depth. Like, he's he's not going to be playing a massive role. So he's just really capable at um, filling the job that he's going to be asked to do. And if anything, I think he could do a little more than what, uh, oh, what yeah. he's going to be asked to do on the Hawks this season, which is a great thing for the Hawks. I totally agree. I, I, again, I think the word is overqualified, and that's what you want. I mean, you don't want guys that are, who are underqualified, but I think he is probably overqualified for the role they have available. It's kind of like Gorgie Jang. I mean, 
Jang, once Economo comes back, is like the best third center in the league by a lot. <laughs> uh, and DeLon Wright, like, there'll be nights, maybe there might, you know, might be a Lou Williams night, he may not play, or he might play three minutes. And like, he's really good to be in that role. So uh, I have asked a ton of people that have covered DeLon Wright up close, both in Sacramento and Detroit and Dallas and Minnesota, not, not Minnesota, um, Memphis, uh, even Toronto going back that far and like everybody likes the guy and everybody's like oh DeLon Wright's just solid it's kind of funny how many people have used the word solid with DeLon Wright that I've asked that I, that I trust and it's not always like you know overwhelming but it's just like everyone likes the guy so don't want to go crazy with it but I don't have much more to add do you have anything else to add about, Don, about DeLon Wright before we move on no he, he I, I look forward to kind of seeing his personality a little bit I, I don't know if I've ever heard him talk so I think I talked to him, well, not, not me personally. I think I was in a scrum with him once that I'm remembering when they came through Atlanta. I think I was, we were like trying to get somebody else and I was in the opposing team locker room. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. I don't know him much at all. And we'll learn about him shortly as media day approaches in late September. Uh, all right, before we get to the second part of our podcast today and a discussion about Kevin Herter, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Have you ever gone to a chain store looking for auto parts that fit your car? Is it maddening? Because it is for me. I know it has been in the past and it will be if I ever try that again. But frankly, I don't ever need to do that again because of rockauto.com. Rock Auto has been serving auto parts customers for 20 years at this point in time. And you could save time and money when you use Rock Auto. They have all kinds of auto parts that will fit your lifestyle, fit your preferences and the best part is you don't have to endure the pointless questioning from someone behind the counter who's only looking to sell you the one part or one kind of part that they have in their warehouse. RockAuto.com has everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And honestly, the prices are always reliably low for every customer and they really serve the do-it-yourselfer very, very effectively. You can go explore their website right now. It's very easy to use. You can find a solution to your auto parts needs in one place. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you want to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, Zach, let us dive into Kevin Herter, who uh, was a playoff hero, of course last year for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday evening, and you're, you're hearing it later on, later on this week, but um, I kind of jokingly poked fun uh, at this, but someone put it in my mentions. When Ben Simmons, the word, uh, the reporting came out that Ben Simmons does not want to be in Philadelphia anymore, no surprise there, and someone tweeted me that it was Kevin Herter that, that spurred this, and I, I agree with that. Kevin Herter's Game 7 performance in Philadelphia might have broken the Sixers forever, which is uh, just one piece of the Kevin Herter experience, but uh, you know, we know about Kevin Herter, but we'll talk about him in uh, sort of overarching terms now. So last year was year three. He was totally solid. Um, similar numbers to year two. Actually ended up playing just as much, even though he wasn't supposed to be the, you know, written and pen starter last year because of the injuries to Bogdanovich and then later Hunter and Reddish. He ended up playing just as much. In fact, uh, this is one of my favorite fun facts is that he led the team minutes last year in total minutes. Um, and were, that's pretty crazy, but it happened uh, when you factor in playoffs and all that stuff. So uh, he was their Iron Man, um, despite the injury prone label from earlier on, which is uh, I've kind of dispelled at this point in time. But the shooting is there still. Um, he showed some more off the dribble game in the playoffs. Um, free throw line is, uh, I know your favorite topic, we'll get into that in a second. He does not get to the line very often, but has shown his passing to be pretty solid. And then I thought his biggest jump last season in year three was his defense he became uh what i would describe as solid and 
even potentially beyond that sometimes. Like, they were asking him to guard number one options, and he's not quite on that level, but he did a capable job, which was impressive to me. So I've said a lot. Uh, what was your reaction uh, to Kevin Herter, and how do you currently feel about him now after year three heading into year four? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I think the big thing, you know, obviously we'll get into is the contract extension or lack thereof, you know, before uh, training camp. But as far as just last season, I thought he was great. I mean, I think you bring in Bogdanovich kind of into his role. He has to deal with that. DeAndre Hunter and, and Trey both, you know, started the season doing a lot of the scoring on the perimeter. So he had to kind of figure out uh, where to do, what to do, where to kind of be, what spots to pick, even when Bogdanovich was out. Um, and then obviously, you know, the coaching change, Bogdanovich comes back. And I felt like he was pretty much just steady and relatively the same player through it all, which is like, to me, it's really impressive for a, a young role player to kind of just stay within himself and help the team throughout, you know, a coaching change, bringing in a veteran into your spot, you know, everything, you know, I kind of just mentioned, but I thought it was a great, you know, building block kind of stepping stone year for him. And I don't know if he would rather take the extension knowing all those guys are going to be back or if he would rather double down and try to do something more. I mean, that's a really interesting thing to think about think about for him is that like you're not going to necessarily have more opportunity next season so I don't know but just as far as you know him and his performance I mean I don't I don't know what more you could really ask for uh, from Kevin Herter yeah it's fascinating on the extension front and you know most of the extension discussions across the league are of guys who are, you know, higher level, like, you know, the Trey Young level, who are just kind of like auto extensions, or guys who are maybe below Kevin, he's kind of in the middle, and trying to find a number for that to make sense for both sides is really interesting. Um, the motivations on both sides are interesting, because if you're Kevin Herter, and you have this good playoff run, your stock is pretty high, but like you just said, like, if I had to guess if he plays less or more minutes per game, Next season, I would say less. He played 30.8 minutes per game last season. I would, if you made me choose, say less than that. And then you bring in, you know, you have the guys who you, you have to assume, knock on wood, that they're a little bit more healthy than they were on the wing last year. Um, he was healthy, which is good. But, yeah, I, it's this, this really nuanced thing. Like, he made strides as a two-point scorer. Like, that was his big his biggest offensive jump uh, by the numbers was his two-point shooting, going from 45% to 51%, which is still not, like, incredible, but it's totally fine versus 45%. A three-point shooting has never been a problem for him. Like, he's a pretty high-volume guy, and he shoots the ball well from three. Um, so, yeah, there's really a lot of uh, nuance there, and, and I don't know what those discussions look like. I mean, I, I love to know. I'm trying to find out what they have been looking like on both sides, but I think that Herter is the kind of guy where it might make sense to lock up, you know, life-changing money. He was a late first-round pick. He's made some money his career, but, uh, you know, it's always the player's decision and what they prioritize. Like, if you can lock in you know, 10 times what you've ever made in your life at once, that's, you know, there's an, obviously an argument for that. But also, if you wait a year and someone falls in love with you, you could get, you know, $80 million or whatever it's going to be. So it might be a lot. Uh, we will see on that. But I think that as a player, you know, the playoff performance against Philadelphia might be a little bit of an outlier in terms of how much they relied on him as a scorer. 
and he did struggle against Milwaukee. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm definitely a herder, herder advocate, but he was not good in that series. Most guys were not good in that series either, so it wasn't like it was just him. But um, it was highs and lows in the playoffs too. But I think of Kevin Herter as a starting caliber player moving forward. He's just turned 23 years old earlier this week as we're talking. And there's a lot of value in a guy who's 6'7 that can shoot, pass, dribble, and defend. Um, even if he's not going to be probably a star, you know, I think he's a long-term starting caliber player, and it's just that he's not quite as good as Bogdanovich right now, and that means that he'll be off the bench this year, I would imagine, start the season. But um, I, he would start for a lot of teams, and I view him as a starting caliber player. So, you know, foundationally, that's obviously a great place to have him, but I don't know what that number's going to look like in terms of is he going to be a $12 million player or an $18 million player? And that's a kind of a big swing, but that's, you know, starters get – 16, 18 million dollars a year generally on extensions. Uh, whereas like more role player, sixth, seventh man types might get twelve. And I don't know where he falls on that, you know, two years from now. Yeah, it's tough. I, I don't know. It's it's a tough thing for both sides. I mean, the Hawks have to pay a lot of people. And you know, if he's he's not gonna be even if he is a starter, I mean he's gonna be what, the fourth option in the starting lineup if if they were to move on from Bogdanovich or something. So it's hard to see them just throwing out the 80 million right now for sure. And then on his side, I mean, if you could tell him, you know, you could take the 60 now or you can maybe give 50 next year or, you, you know, you might even get more, but let's just say next year you might get less, but you might, you know, get to play more wherever you end up. So it's all about what each individual player wants as far as do they want to maximize value or do they want to, take the security of the deal right now or do they just want to play you know some guys just want to play so i think it's a lot for him to consider and i mean even probably you know it might be something that just we don't hear about for a long time kind of like collins but i think since he is you know i mean some people would argue he's better than collins and and that's a, a different rabbit hole but just in terms of the pecking in terms of the pecking order on the hawks you know, Collins is a starter and Herter is a, a rotation guy. So you probably won't hear quite as much about Herter as we did about Collins in no. terms of, you know, buzz and rumors and is he going, is he staying and all that. But, I mean, it's definitely probably, I mean, the biggest ending thing, I guess, right now. So Oh, I think it has to be just because, you know, Trey's deal got done immediately as it was always going to. Collins is locked up now and – you know, barring a trade rumor out of nowhere, um, it's the only sort of bit of outstanding business that the Hawks have is, is where, where, where he'll sign this extension. And I agree, you know, especially nationally, he's a lower profile guy than Collins. You know, people forget this, but Collins it was coming off a year where he averaged 20 and 10, basically, before his extension talks. Uh, Herter, is, um, his career averages are, you know, 11 and 3, and 11, 11, 3 and 3, which is like, that undersells him, I think. I think he's, I think he's a better player than that, and he is young. You know, I know he was a two-year guy in college, but he's still only just turned 23 before his fourth season. So he's a young, talented guy who does a lot of things well. I mean, even – I think Herter can play on the ball a little bit more. I mean, he's been doing that a little bit. Um, it's not going to be a primary look for you, but if you throw him out there with the lawn right, um, they're like almost like co-ball handlers at that point in time. Like, they're – the lineup flexibility that he provides as someone who can't handle the ball at legitimately 6-7 is very helpful. So – I generally, I mean, I don't want to go the entire thing about the contract, but it's really, it really is quite fascinating. Uh, probably maybe just only to people that are around the Hawks, but I think it's uh, a, 
I'd love to know what where the two sides are in terms of what they actually want right now. Like, do the Hawks want to lock him up badly, or are they just willing to go to the uh, process next year with the offer sheet and kind of go from there and Sam Daniel Hurst? I'd love to know, and hopefully we'll find out. Um, I want to ask you about his game a little bit as well before uh, we get out of here, but I, you know, I mentioned free throws earlier. Is that the number one thing you're looking for in terms of, like, where can he improve in year four? I know because that's always been a fascination of uh, of ours. You and I have talked on, on and offline about this, but Herder just doesn't get to the line really ever, and that is uh, not crippling because he's a really he's still a pretty efficient guy. But if you're looking at his at his box score profile, that's like one thing that jumps out to you is that he just doesn't ever get there. I've kind of like cooled off on worrying about it. I you've, don't know. You've like, given up the fight basically at this point. <laughs> I, I, I'll put it this way. If you're the Hawks, you already have Trey get into the line so much. Hunter should get to the line a lot. Um, ideally, Collins will get to the line a little more. You know, you know, Collins is one of those guys, I swear he just doesn't get calls when, like, he'll get hammered and he just makes it anyways because he's, like, a 99 percentile finisher. Agreed. And they just don't call it. And even some of the ones he misses, he doesn't always get the, the, the whistle that other guys would get. But anyways – I think if you're Kevin Herter, it's got to be something that um, you got to figure it out. Because I think if I'm Kevin Herter, I'm telling myself if I can get to the line five times a night, I'm a $20 million player. And if you're the Hawks, though, I mean, just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, he was awesome for the Hawks. And just kind of being that little that glue guy in the backcourt. Um, it plays great defense, makes, you know, all the right passes, hits shots, can handle the ball. I mean, it would be nice if he got to the line more, but – I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't think it really matters that much to the team for him personally, though. I do think it is a, could be a big thing for him maybe on his second contract, but I mean, I don't think it like kills the team or anything that he doesn't shoot a lot of free throws. Definitely not. No, I, it's just an area to like maybe improve on at some point. Um, You know, if you look at his advanced numbers too, like defensively, he made the jump to like, being seen as an average player basically by the advanced metrics which is all he needs to be i you know there's a sort of a split on like how how good he could possibly be defensively because he isn't the strongest guy he's a good athlete not a great athlete so like he's a little limited there but if he's actually your supporting defender the way that he's probably supposed to be next to hunter or next to reddish he looks even better in that role uh and i think he can defend the point guards a little bit as well so yeah, he's just a really well-rounded guy who I think is, you know, should be a starter somewhere. Now, whether it's in Atlanta or not is up for debate because they, they did sign Bogdanovich to that four-year deal. He's going to be around for a while. He's obviously older, and I I do think that Bogdanovich is a, is probably better right now. Um, it's just that, you know, they're kind of the same spot, and you can play those guys together, but long-term, I think everyone agrees that Herder is primarily a two. So it's this uh, good problem where they have um, three pretty established wings, and then Reddish as well as an you know unquestionably talented guy who's shown some flashes and you know it's a good place to be in. Um, I don't really know what to like forecast for her. We talked we talked about his playing time a little bit. Um, do you think he is like third among wings in minutes this year? Because that's kind of where I have him. But do you agree with that? Like I think he actually could get up closer stars closer stars minutes because of how well he fits with other guys but i think if i had to guess he's not going to start opening night i don't think he'll start but i, I will say i want to i don't i don't necessarily think bogey's better than him i think he's more explosive of a scorer but i also think there's things herder does better than bogey i think herder's 
Oh yeah, they're very, they're us. very different players actually. Like as, yeah. as similar as in terms of like size as they are, like they are very. I different. think I actually like Herder a little more next to Trey. I think Bogey's so aggressive where it's like you already have that sniper who will always you know go for the score. I kind of like Herder as just like a glue, like move the ball around. Like I'll, I'll get mine when I get mine. As compared to like if Bogey and Trey are both cold, it's really tough because they're not going to stop. Well, and also, it's kind of funny because I, I didn't hate the idea of Bogdanovich coming off the bench. Uh, he did. He did. He does not want to come off the bench. That was very, very clear. He said as much. Uh, that was out there for a long time. So I think he's going to start. He's making a lot of money, all that stuff. I think uh, you're not crazy, though, in terms of like the actual role. I think it actually, in theory, might make sense to start Herder and bring Bogey off the bench as like, as like the offense first six man. That's just not practical, I don't think. Um, Bogdanovich, Nate, everyone—they're going to start Bogdanovich, which I'm fine with that. By the way, I just I, to your point, I think that actually does make some sense because they're very different. Like Bogey is, for instance, let's say offensively, Bogey hunts his shot. That's what he's out there for. Everyone knows it. That's his primary value offensively. And then defensively, he's not the most fleet of foot guy, but he's very physical and stout. Like he'll compete. He's you know he's strong. Whereas Herter, like, is not the most, you know, barring Game 7 in Philadelphia, the most aggressive guy offensively hunting his own shot, but he's a better ball handler, a better passer, offensively uh, more of a go-with-the-flow guy. And then defensively, he's not as strong as Bogey is, but he's quicker, and I think he's a little bit better off the ball. So, like, as crazy as it is, they're, like, they're kind of – they're not opposites, but they do have very different strengths and weaknesses in terms of what they do on both ends of the floor. Yeah, no, I mean, I, Bogey's definitely going to start. I didn't mean to say like that. Oh, I know. I, know. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. I just think, you know, there's – there are some times where the offense can just get a little bit of uh, repetitive when, you know, maybe Trey is having a little bit of trouble getting to the rim um, just with Bogey and Trey kind of both being – uh, self-creation three guys. I mean, you don't you you want self-created threes in the modern NBA, but you you don't want too many of them. So, I like I just really like Herder as like a he's just almost neutral. Like he kind of just takes what the defense gives you, and he doesn't like really make a whole lot of mistakes out there. The, the one random area of Herder's game, and I might be crazy, but I, he he's not good at inbounding the ball. <laughs> like <laughs> there, there so, were there were a few high profile uh, mistakes last year. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like, but like he's always been weird about that. I swear. Like his whole career, he's always kind of been a little bit of weird on the out of bounds play. But kind of a random thing. I don't really know how you like work on that. No, that but. that's actually hilarious because it's like the most. Uh, this is obviously a podcast about one basketball team, and like that's something that would never come up on any national show or any like even regional thing. But I, 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 it's kind of. It's, called, it's also crazy because you would think that given his size and the way that he feels the game and passes normally, he'd be good at that. But uh, yeah. he's had a, he's had a few uh, high-profile mess-ups. So there's wonder, there's been other ones too. There have been ones that didn't really matter in like the second quarter and stuff that have just been like I don't know what what just happened. Like they just we just threw it away right there. Well, hey, but, uh, Kevin Herter, please come please come on the podcast and I will ask you about your inbounding and see how that's going. Um, yeah, I, I just said. 
a lot of good stuff about Herder, and I meant all of it. So I don't mean to like. Oh, I know. We're very. I think, I think. I think you and I are very high on Herder. We're very uh, not quite as high as like Evan Zamir, who I had on the podcast uh, over this uh, over the pre-draft process, who is like the number one Kevin Herder fan that's outside of his family. Um, but uh, I know we we are definitely higher than the baseline on Kevin Herder. He is good. Uh, I believe in him. It sounds like you do as well. And uh, I hope he gets the bag. I mean, just objectively, as a guy that I enjoy, I, I think that Kevin is good at basketball, and I hope he gets paid. I just don't know what's going to look like. So. Uh, it'd be not the worst thing in the world for either of us if there was like some some extensive negotiations in public later on this month to uh, drive some content for us. I, know. I, I can say that for a fact. Yeah, I won't complain if if anybody wants to leak anything. You know, Shams, Woj. <laughs> you know, I know you guys. Tra- are probably, Travis, I know Travis, you guys, Travis, come on the podcast. Uh, make, yeah, make your I, I make your return. NBA insiders. I don't know. You guys are currently. Uh, on vacation or what I, I hope you guys are getting some some breaks but anything you guys want to break we will take it you know it's, it's gonna be a long uh, few weeks getting to training camp <laughs> yes it is um all right that's enough for uh for today on delon Wright and kevin herder we'll have much more at some point in the near future with myself and hopefully zach talking about some uh, the rest of the roster but zach please tell people they can find your work because uh even in this dog day, uh, you have some stuff that you have written, I'm sure, and uh, your Twitter account is firing away. Yeah, of course. You know, always check out Peace Street Hoops. You can find all my stuff there. Uh, my personal account, at ZHood underscore. And you heard anything rumbling around in the background of this podcast, that's my dog, Melo. So I'll plug him, too. But I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know if you, I don't know if you did or not. But. A very a very on-brand basketball name. So that's a good, yeah. place, to, good place. And, and a Hawks legend. So we're, uh, we're in good shape there. Uh, thanks, Zach. For, I appreciate you doing this as always. And again, yes, sir. Uh, I'm sure we'll be back in the near future. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland, and we'll see you next time.